But um, our reading uh, this morning is from Matthew chapter 6, and we're reading from verses 5 to 15. And if you've got one of the Bibles that are, are on the chairs, it's on page 970. I'll give you a moment to find it. Starting at verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Morning, everybody. It's really lovely to be back, and thank you for the invitation, Phil, to come and share with you this morning as we worship the Lord Jesus Christ together. It's good to see so many familiar young faces uh, in the congregation. Bless you. And uh, Phil, I'm disturbed to hear that you've been attacked by zombies. Uh, Boston Spa has changed since I knew it first, and uh, so anyway, praise the Lord. I'm going to read again from the passage that we read earlier. You don't have to turn it up. You can listen if you wish to, but we're in Matthew chapter 6 and beginning at verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, <coughs> excuse me, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. <coughs> As an eight-year-old at junior school in Eastbourne in Sussex, I was once told off by a form teacher for allegedly not paying attention when the Lord's Prayer was being recited in assembly. For the life of me, 
I can't remember being inattentive, but the boy next to me and I, we were called out at the end of the assembly and we were told we had to stay in at break time and write out the Lord's Prayer ten times, obviously by hand. In our own church, we didn't usually recite the Lord's Prayer each week as some churches do. I think some people from the past felt that would be vain repetition. And so as a result, I wasn't familiar with the Lord's Prayer. And each time I wrote it out, I missed out two lines, which my form teacher, Mr. Stannard, eagerly pointed out and then said, not much good for a vicar's son, is it Lancaster? (coughs) Well, he was probably right. But as I've got older and marginally wiser, I have come to the conclusion that regular reciting of the Lord's Prayer is not vain repetition. In fact, I believe, and you may not agree with me, that reciting the Lord's Prayer meaningfully on a regular, even daily basis is what Jesus had in mind when he said in verse 9, this then is how you should pray. Talking about liturgy, (coughs) I'm sorry, I'm just going to have a drink, excuse me. Talking about liturgy in general, Brian Zand in his excellent book, Water into Wine, says, there is no such thing as dead liturgy. Liturgy is either true or false. It's the worshipper who is dead or alive. And I think that's so true. And it seems to me it's true about the Lord's Prayer too. And I would say the Lord's Prayer has become central to my prayer life. I seek to pray it, not just to say it, on a daily basis when I remember. And in the Lord's Prayer, the Lord Jesus, Son of God and only Saviour of the world, asks us to pray about six important themes. God's name, God's kingdom, God's will, God's provision, God's forgiveness, and God's protection. God's name, God's kingdom, God's will, God's provision, God's forgiveness, and God's protection. These, I believe, are what the Lord Jesus asks us to pray about until he comes. And today I want to look at that second request, of course, which is your kingdom come. What might that mean for me and for you in 2024 in Great Britain? Well, we need to look at the scriptures and see, first of all, what is meant by the kingdom of God. I believe the Bible tells us there are only two kingdoms in this world. The kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. In the West, we want a more sophisticated viewpoint than that, something a bit more nuanced. But actually, I think if we were to talk today to a Christian prisoner of conscience in prison in North Korea, that simple dichotomy would be very, very clear to them. So let's be clear. Let me remind myself this morning. In the kingdom of God, Jesus Christ is king. The kingdom of God is when the rule and reign of Jesus becomes apparent in someone or in a situation here on earth. When the power of the Holy Spirit breaks in, the power of the age to come breaks into this old world in all its tiredness, and it can be quite clearly seen where Jesus is acknowledged as Lord. But it's also when God's righteousness and justice is shown in meeting the needs of the poor and the hungry and the sick and the marginalised and the unimportant, those who are on the edge of society who need to hear the gospel and experience the love and the grace and the mercy of the king of the kingdom. And friends, may I say this to you very lovingly as I challenge myself this morning. As kingdom people, we are fundamentally involved in seeing the kingdom come. The answer to this prayer requires me 
to be someone who acknowledges that I am one of God's people called to do God's will, fulfilling God's purposes and seeing the world from God's perspective as I live and work in it. As a follower of Jesus then, I'm called to do the work of God's kingdom as he directs me. Because if I'm in the kingdom, he's the king. I don't need to remind you this morning that the Lord's Prayer begins with worship. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. There's lovely worship in those words, an acknowledgement, I think, as we think about them and expand on them, of the greatness and the majesty and the glory and the wonder and, and the beauty that is our God and the holy authority of his name. But then if that vision is understood, there's a practical response that flows out of it. And the Lord's Prayer tells us what we can do when the problems of this world seem so huge, so overwhelming, so completely daunting. So let me share some simple thoughts about it this morning. Three quick things about Jesus. Jesus prayed, Jesus preached, and Jesus practiced the kingdom. Jesus prayed, Jesus preached the kingdom, Jesus practiced the kingdom. So, firstly, kingdom people are here to pray, as we have, I hope, in our hearts already, that the kingdom of God will come. When we pause to think about the prayer that Jesus asked us to pray, we need to notice this transition from worship to practical response. To stand prayerfully before God, our Heavenly Father, on behalf of this world, in intercession for this world and its needs. Lord, in this broken, beleaguered and war-torn world, we pray earnestly and urgently for your kingdom to come and your will to be done. And maybe in our hearts, as you hear me say that, we find ourselves asking, yes, but look at the world around us. Do my prayers really make any difference? Does prayer actually change anything day to day? Isn't the world just getting worse despite the billions of Christians who pray every day? And to that question, I'd ask another one in return, if I may. Would Jesus ask us to pray if he intends to do nothing through our prayers? Has God really asked us to partner with him in seeing his kingdom come through prayer? Or are we just going through the motions is it vain repetition i think we need to hold two things in tension when we come to pray first we know that this world will become increasingly a place where mankind will be rebellious towards god king jesus says it will get worse in matthew 24 12 to 13 he says lawlessness will increase so we know that before we even start to pray. So if our definition of your kingdom come is in the short term, peace all over the earth and an end to suffering, we may not see that in the way that we would like to. But here is why we're called to live as kingdom people and to pray for the kingdom to come. See, sometimes we want God to airlift us out of a situation or circumstance that we find ourselves in. Lord, we're Christians, get us out of here. 
But most times, Jesus draws close to us to empower us in the struggle. And in that way, and in so many others, his kingdom does and is coming in your circumstance and mine. We should pray for peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called the sons of God. Interesting. Not blessed are the prayer warriors, or blessed are the Bible study leaders, or blessed are the preachers, or blessed are this, but blessed are the peacemakers. Why? Because actually there's peace and harmony in the Godhead, in the Trinity, amongst Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's his end, aim, and purpose for this earth. And one day, let me assure you, we will see peace on the new earth. We will see harmony. We will see everything God intended in the first place. When you pray for peace on earth, it will come eventually because that's God's end purpose. But having prayed for peace, we always need to trust that God does know what is best, that God's timing is best, and that the way God works things out will always be for his glory and for the blessing of of mankind. I wonder if we believe that. I wonder if we do really trust that. I've mentioned before the very worst prayer meetings that I've ever been involved in in my life. Before our church moved to its new site, uh, it was, it's on the, the site of an old school in Leeds called Agnes Stewart School, an Anglican school, and it was a failing school. And there were Christian teachers there, and they asked, would we come in every Friday morning about half past seven in the morning? Would we pray for the church? And so we gathered week by week, and we prayed for Agnes Stewart School. God save the teachers. Pour out your spirit on the, the children who come here. Let children get saved. Let the RE lessons be filled with your Holy Spirit. Let the results come up. Let people in this community see that God has touched this school and everything has changed. And, and may it be a center for drawing people to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I still believe that God can do that kind of thing. But I sometimes wonder if God wasn't listening to us and saying, yes, these, these are really lovely prayers. But actually, I'm going to knock this school down and build a church here. See, sometimes God's got an end plan that we don't have. So when you're not seeing what you're longing for, don't give up hope, because it may well be that God's got something else that he's going to do, and eventually we will see it. I love the end of Psalm 66, which reminds us often that God hears our prayers and that no prayer is ever wasted. Every prayer is heard and no prayer is ever wasted. Psalm 66 verse 20 says, Blessed be God who has not rejected my prayer nor withheld his love from me. If you've been praying a long time for something and you haven't seen what you wanted to see, don't give up. Every prayer is heard and no prayer is wasted according to the word of God. So Jesus prayed and taught us to pray for the kingdom to come. But second, we are called like Jesus to preach the kingdom of God or at least to witness to it. Jesus prayed, Jesus preached the kingdom and Jesus was practical about the kingdom. You see, so very often, the kingdom comes person by person, situation by situation, moment by moment. We long for a sweeping revival, and it's not wrong to pray for that. Uh, but sometimes we miss the kingdom coming because it comes in what seems to us such insignificant and small ways. But I want to know you to know that the kingdom is coming 
person by person, moment by moment, incrementally, right across planet Earth today, people will get born again. People will be filled with the Spirit. Some will be healed. Some will come to church for the first time. <coughs> Excuse me. Some will try start an Alpha course. All kinds of things will happen today that are kingdom things. <coughs> moment by moment, incrementally, the kingdom of God comes. On January the 29th of this year, I got a text quite late in the evening from a lady in our church called Carrie. Six years ago, Carrie, who has a lifetime of physical and emotional abuse and has smoked since she was about 11 and therefore has desperate respiratory problems, Carrie came to Christ. It was after a long period of people greeting her and encouraging her and sharing their life with her. She was saved. On the 29th, while in hospital for another case of respiratory problems from smoking since she was 11, one of the other patients became very upset, was shouting out, calling out, and no one could deal with her. So Carrie said, would it be okay if I went and sat by her bed and held her hand? And none of the staff could understand what the other lady was saying. So Carrie was shuffled across with her breathing apparatus in and held the lady's hand and listened to her for a few moments. And she sussed out that the lady who was shouting, oh God, oh God, was actually crying out to God. And although none of the other nurses could understand, Carrie held her hand and said, you're right, that's who you need. Call out to Jesus. Call out to Abba. He's waiting and listening for you. And suddenly, great peace came across the lady. And as she lay there in her bed, she actually began to raise her arms and sing. And then the night staff came in, the night staff that she'd been violently aggressive with each evening, and she gave them a hug. And they said to her, are you okay? And she said, okay, I've never been better than this. Carrie texted me all through, now she's saying this, now she's singing. Carrie said, I had to say to her, now Abba wants us to go to bed, so stop singing. <laughs> but you see, something of the kingdom of God came on the 29th of January in St. James's Hospital. And it may seem insignificant to others, but to that woman, there was a manifestation of the work of God's spirit through, and, and that's so often how the kingdom comes. And because we don't see it on the grand scale, it's so easy for us to be disappointed in a small and perhaps insignificant way in a world without peace. The peace of the kingdom of God came to a lady called Sue in the LGI, and that's why we go on praying your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven Carrie knows very little theology she's very timid she often thinks she's got everything wrong but she has a story it's the true story of how Jesus changed her life to one degree or another and when she gets the opportunity she shares her story and as a result on this occasion the kingdom comes. So it seems to me if we're to be true followers of Jesus, then praying for his kingdom to come is really important. Preaching for the kingdom to come through our hearts and our lives and our witness and our word is really important. And then practicing the kingdom. That is really living out God's priorities here on earth becomes important too. I think... One of the most important truths that I regularly forget is I serve a servant king, a servant king. 
I love the question that Pete Gregg asked just a short time ago in his Lectio 365. What does the reign of Jesus look like when he is a servant king? When he has all the authority in the world, but he doesn't use it like the world does. And I have pondered that question and allowed it to minister into my own heart and life. And you know, to some extent, the answer to that question. The servant king, the king of kings and the lord of lords, practically reaches out to the untouchables of our world. The servant king engages the completely lost and the utterly hated in loving conversation. The servant king takes a towel and washes his disciples' feet and ultimately the servant king gives his life for lost and hopeless people like me because he knows there is a bigger and better and more wonderful hope that exists beyond this world and he wants many, many others to share in his kingdom. I often wonder why the Church of Jesus grew by 3,000 on the day of Pentecost. Well, the basic answer is obvious, isn't it? <clears throat> The Holy Spirit was at work and anointed Peter as he preached and touched the hearts and lives of people who were hearing till they, the Bible says they were cut to the heart. They asked, what must we do to be saved? But there was something else going on in the lives of those early believers as you read through early Christian, uh, early Christian history. And what you discover is that they were people of hope in a world of hopelessness. There was something that gripped their hearts and lives in Jesus that other people didn't have. There is a wonderful story, a moving story, of a, a young servant girl who with her mistress was accused of being a Jesus follower and refused to recant. And together, hand in hand, they walked into the arena to face wild beasts. And in that demonstrated a new way of being, mistress and servant, holding hands together unheard of and going to their deaths because there was a greater hope beyond the one that people were living for day by day. That's the kingdom. And the kingdom can be costly for you and me, but the kingdom is wonderful. Can I share some very stories very quickly from the outreach that we have just in Bermontoft? Christine. Christine was a lifelong alcoholic. Six years ago, in coming to the shop, she came to know Jesus Christ as her Lord and Saviour. And she did some discipleship courses. And though kind of ill and delicate she was, she said, I want to be baptised. And we think, okay, we'll baptise you. But everything went absolutely well. And she gave her testimony about how she'd been an alcoholic, how she'd given her life to Jesus, how she was getting baptised today because of her trust in him as Lord and Saviour. And then she became ill. And just three months later, the Lord took her home to be in his kingdom forever. It's kind of a ministry of last resort, this shop. Let me tell you about Tracy. 56 years old. Tracy, very, very physically big. I, I don't mean this to be rude about her. Um, educationally, hardly an education. Didn't really understand life. Suffered with lots of diseases like um, diabetes, she had been abused 
for most of her life and taken advantage of and then started coming to the shop and then to the church and sitting outside in the foyer and then eventually making it into the women's meeting and getting to know people and there Barbara and some others one day prayed with her and led her to faith in Jesus Christ and six months later in the middle of COVID Tracy became ill at home and passed away on her own but not on her own because the Lord was with her another last resort as it were <clears throat> of coming into the kingdom peter <clears throat> was an alcoholic most of his life one day as he was sleeping in uh, you know these um big waste what do you call them um, skip waste skips uh, someone set it on fire he was very badly burned his life was looking like a disaster burned alcoholic out of control came to the shop met some people one day Mark took him out for lunch, took out this disfigured man to a carvery and in the middle of the lunch said, Peter, you need Christ, can I pray for you? And for the very first time Peter said, yes, you can pray. And over lunch, Peter prayed and four days later, Peter became seriously ill and the Lord took him home to be with himself. Danico was 27 years old. He was been a drug dealer like his dad. And uh, he'd come out of prison and he had some surgery because he'd been shot. And when we first met him, we'd walk over <clears throat> to the cafe with him. <clears throat> he'd say, um, by the way, I probably haven't got long. What do you mean? How long have you got? No, 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 no. There's people trying to kill me. So I know the people are going to kill me. One day, one way or another, someone is going to kill me. And so we journeyed with him from November through, I think, for about nine months uh, into last year, middle of last year. And one Saturday afternoon in the shop, as people were praying, they made an appeal and they watched. And Danico bowed his head, put his hands together and very sincerely prayed a prayer, asking God to forgive his sin and inviting Jesus Christ into his life. And three months later, what Danico believed would happen came true. He was attacked in Hare Hills and lost his life on the street there. But by the grace of God... He was in the kingdom and he will be in the kingdom forever. Four people, four small stories, four things that never make the headlines, but incrementally, person by person, individually, the kingdom of God came. And let me tell you, for those people now, it's made all the difference in the world. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we go on praying. Because, as I said, there is a bigger and better hope beyond this world and all its experiences that we know about and that we need to share. There is a king of a kingdom of light. And here we are called, not just to pray, but to preach and to practice the kingdom of God. When I was preparing for today... <clears throat> I went onto a website called Sermon Illustrations. That's just um, a little bit of a cheat that we use from time to time. And it's got a list of things like Christmas, Easter, the Holy Spirit, salvation. Uh, you name it, it's listed and you can click on and it'll find some illustrations. Some of them are hopeless, <clears throat> others are quite good. And so I went on to Sermon Illustrations and it said Kingdom of God and I clicked on Kingdom of God. Do you know what it said? No illustrations yet and I found myself challenged as I read that 
I retire in just over a year. And I wonder how often I've been an authentic illustration of kingdom life to those around me. How often has my life and actions spoken truly about Jesus, the servant king, and his kingdom? But of course, there's still time. And so Jesus calls us to pray. And I personally believe to pray daily that his kingdom will come and that his will will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. And to prayerfully make myself available for the task of serving the servant king and those that he loves by praying for the kingdom, preaching the kingdom and practically exercising the kingdom to those who need him. So I continue to pray for myself and for you. May God help us to respond to his word and to continue pressing in for his kingdom to come. Amen.